0: So welcome to the very first Coaching Youth Football podcast. Um, Today, our inaugural podcast, uh, we are welcoming Richard King, who is uh, involved in coaching at both Dawking Wanderers Football Club um, and also the Late Birthday Project and also um, our Futsal Project, which we'll hear more about as we go through. This, as far as I'm aware, is the first podcast that's ever been made without a jingle at the beginning, uh, because I see no value whatsoever in a jingle. All it does is it makes me turn the volume down because the jingle's too loud, and then when the jingle finishes, I have to turn the volume back up again because the audio is too soft. So I decided to go straight in with the chat. Uh, Without further ado, uh, Richard, thank you so much for your time, and welcome to Coaching Youth Football. Great to see you, Mike. Thanks for coming down. Thank you very much for having us. I do I do very much appreciate it. So um, in order to kick us off, um, could you please just give us a bit of a, um, an introduction to how you got into coaching, um, the coaching qualifications that you may have done along the way, who's influenced you, how you've got to where you are today, really?
1: Of course, I'm a Crew Alexandra fan, have been all my life. Um, I think that's a club famous for their academy, for their production line of players, for promoting youth players into the first team. Um, I've grown up watching those players develop, play 50 to 100 games, then move on to Premier League clubs or to represent their country. So it's it's, it's in my DNA, um, youth development. Um, but I actually had a business career, uh, worked in media, worked in publishing. Um, and it was probably seven or eight years ago that my son started playing football. Um, and I took an interest in, in coaching. And I started coaching his team even when I was working in other sports like cycling, I enjoyed it. Um, And in 2015, we saw an opportunity to work in futsal. We started a futsal academy called Futsal Fever and I think now we are the largest provider of futsal coaching in the UK, I think. Um, We deliver about 23, 24 hours a week. We do under fours, through to a ladies team. And I I love futsal, I think it's a, a great game in itself and a great development tool. Um, for for regular football. From that we launched the Late Birthday Projects in 2016, um, essentially to combat the relative age effects in youth football. Um, And we now have nine LBP centers across Surrey and Sussex. Then most recently I've been asked along with my team to take on the um, elite youth section at Dorking Wanderers. It's a club that's very ambitious and, and thoroughly committed to um, promoting youth players locally on a pathway towards the first team. So it's a fantastic opportunity for yeah. me and for my, for my coaches.
0: So for those um, listening and obviously can't see, we are actually sat on the edge of Dawking Wanderers, uh, very good uh, 3G facility here. I've spent a lot of time on this pitch with Dawking Wanderers youth academy players actually while going through my own UEFA b course um, as it's um, shared, the facility shared with the Surrey Football Association. So uh, I have very fond memories of this, uh, this ground and it's, uh, it's a wonderful, for those that haven't been here, it's a really wonderful setup with very modern, um, purpose-built um, facilities for both youth and adult football.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the the infrastructure here is incredible. Um, They're in National League South next season or this coming season. And I think there are ambitions to go at least one or two steps higher than that. And if we can be part of that journey with young local players, then that's very exciting. Excellent. So we we want to talk
0: about the relative age effect. Before we get into that, you said that the um, the Dorking Wanderers are very committed to youth. How how does that translate from your very youngest um, age groups, which is I am assuming under seven?
1: Yes, and well, yeah. under we are we start at LBP under six. We start at Futsal at under four. In actual fact, we're only working with Dorking Wanderers from under elevens through to under 16s. Okay. Um,
0: but and how does that link into the way that the first team are thinking about things? Is there a, a pathway or is there a, at least a, um, a, an aspirational pathway where an under-11 could potentially see themselves playing for the first team one day?
1: There is a pathway. There's a pathway committee which manages the pathway and it's, it's a relatively new... Um, the pathway is a relatively new one to this club so we're still working working on the guidelines of how it's going to work. but. The idea is that an under-11 can come in, represent Dorking Wanderers, play at the stadium, um, think about how a Dorking Wanderers player plays, how the first team play, progress through the age groups, up to the under-18s, into the reserves, and potentially represent the first team at some point. That's awesome. That's the idea of that pathway.
0: And and how does that? Um How does that affect recruitment in the local area if parents know that there's that that pathway? Does does that kind of help you, really, in terms of the the selection process of of the younger boys that you get on girls coming through?
1: At the moment, it's such a new initiative that we haven't really felt that. I think when we kick off into next season and we have a lot more visibility and potentially at the end of next season start trialling, I think we'll see a lot more interest from the local community. At the moment, because of... That's not to say we're not getting the best players that already are from the local community already, just from what we do here through the Futsal, through LBP, through my contacts in the grassroots. I think actually that nettle just widen slightly to take in more of the surrounding villages and towns. Yeah, okay, good stuff. So
0: we want to talk about the relative age effect today. Um, for those that are not aware of what the relative age effect is, um, could we perhaps have a look at the, um, the FA's four corner coaching model and perhaps illustrate some of the uh, challenges that the relative age effect might have on um, on players.
1: Okay, well the relative age effect is essentially the negative impact of a child being born later in the academic year. It's not just related to sport, um, it's an academic thing, it's a social thing. It even impacts on what a person might earn later in life, and there's plenty of research around that. Um, but it's particularly significant in football, because I think... Football um, selects has selective elite programs begin at such a young age, under fives, under sixes, and when you are five or six, being nine or twelve months younger than someone else playing football alongside you is a huge amount of time. It has a massive impact, and I think that's why um in football terms, the research shows that the relative age effect has has such a big impact.
0: So you mentioned a negative impact. So if we look at the, the uh, FA's four corner model, so for those not familiar with that, um, it's technical, physical, psychological and social. The idea being that you're looking at the whole player rather than just trying to coach how well they can pass, for example. So if we look at the technical corner, um, how would you see the relative age effect negatively impact a player uh, in that corner, would you say?
1: Well, technicals probably the most interesting actually um, I would say it is more about coaching hours than anything else so if you are a bigger stronger more mature player when you're six or seven you are picked up potentially by a professional Academy you do go into their elite programs you start coach being coached maybe two three four times a week you're getting a lot of coaching hours at that age that other players of that age aren't getting.
0: Mm. So I think in many ways... Just on that, Richard, can I just just jump across it? Is there not also a negative... connotation potentially if you don't quite get into the academy and you're bigger, faster, stronger at an early age and you start relying on the fact that you're a little bit quicker and a little bit stronger and a little bit bigger than everyone else and so you don't perhaps develop in the technical corner as quickly as you perhaps would have done had you been smaller.
1: That is exactly, that's the interesting thing about the technical corner. Um, Bigger, stronger, faster players are successful because of that at a young age, they neglect the technical side, mm. and then when everyone else catches up size-wise, they're lacking a little bit of technical ability, so that's a, sure. it's a very good point. So
0: in the physical corner, I guess this is the most obvious um, in in um, in many cases. Um, I have no idea what birthday Ibrahim Sow from Sevilla uh, has, um, but there's a picture doing the rounds on the, on the internet uh, where he looks like a fully grown man at under 12s, playing against another under 12s who barely comes up to his chest. Um, but that's, a, that's a, an exaggeration of a, of a problem that, that can obviously happen. My own son uh, has a June birthday, and so he never gets to play in the age group that he's actually playing in. He's always, his birthday's after the year's finished. So um, in the physical corner, what sort of um, challenges might you see from the player, and what should the coach be looking out for in that?
1: I certainly think the physical corner is the most obvious, isn't it? Mm. Um, it's where that year, extra, potentially up to an extra year, Um, in age can make big differences in speed and in strength and in height and I think it's very it's very easy for a a scout or a coach who's recruiting to look at a look at a game see that faster stronger bigger player um, scoring a few goals looking physically effective uh, and it's easy to make decisions Hmm. but of course there are Ways around that for younger players. You know, we talk to them a lot about their um, how they use their bodies to win and keep the ball. Um, we work with them on speed with and without the ball. If there's an issue, it can always be addressed.
0: I guess the, the, the corner that perhaps um, grassroots coaches maybe this might be a massive uh, generalisation, but they might struggle with a little bit more is the psychological corner. How, how do you think somebody with a sort of June or a July or an August birthday might? perhaps be negatively impacting in the psychological corner as it relates to the, uh, the relative age effect?
1: I think there's a general lack of confidence sometimes. Um, and that, that's quite obvious sometimes in younger, younger players. Also, things like concentration. Usually, the older you get, the easier it is to concentrate. So we see that as well, a lack of focus or concentration. But I think probably the biggest one is the ability to bounce back from setbacks. Um, I think when a player is younger and maybe they're all already dealing with the issues of size, if something goes wrong, have they got that psychological strength to bounce back?
0: Mm. Okay, and anything in the social corner that
1: we should be looking out for as coaches as it relates to the relative age effect? I certainly think there's a maturity you get from being, uh, and the social confidence you get from being a September, October and November. Uh, birthday and I think that does also have an impact
0: okay excellent so what are the longer-term implications then of a, of a player at seven who maybe um, is born in let's say July and he's playing alongside a team who, who were born in September and so they're actually nearly a year older than, than, than that, that child what are the long-term implications of a player um, being in that environment um, on on their development as a footballer and a person
1: I think the longer-term implications looking specifically at football are about where they end up playing where they end up going the the key stat for me with the relative age effect has always been and this was from some research done in 2013 that 45% of category 1 Academy players are born September to November what was that percentage 45% right and it's just ten percent who are born May to August. Yeah, I think that's an astonishing statistic. Yeah, and anecdotally, I, I spoke to Nick Levitt, who you probably know. Yeah, um, a couple of years ago, and he said, although no more research has been done, he thinks it's probably getting worse. Right. And in terms of the longer term impact on that under seven. Are they getting into those elite programmes? Are they getting all those opportunities? And mm. the, the statistics say that they're not.
0: Yeah. So, so in a, in an argument as complex as this, um, people tend to go to extremes, right? So, on one extreme, people will say or uh, uh, look at Messi. You know, he's he's tiny, um, and he's managed to make it. So, you know, why find anyone else? And on the other extreme, I would seem to remember so- seeing something on Twitter. Uh, we said all right well my team will play your team and it had people like Steven Gerrard in it who was apparently a late birthday I forget all of the names but they were wonderful world-class players and of course people have carefully selected them to argue against the relative age effect what would you say to, to those polarized um, positions you know if, if you know if you're just a, a grassroots coach trying to do the best for your team what would you say to a, to a coach in that situation
1: there are lots of exceptions that prove the rule I mean the way I operate is I don't just run. I don't just coach players from the late birthday project. I coach players more generally. Certainly at Dorking Wanderers, there's no stipulation on on age, so I look at every player individually. Um, in terms of us including that element of it, I will always find out their date of birth. I will always. At what point,
0: Richard? But when will you find out their date of birth after they've signed? Straight away they've signed. Straight away.
1: I've just got. We've got a player over there who's just come along for a trial. Yeah, I've got his name and I've got his date of birth. And I'm already thinking about where he is, um, where he could be, how he compares with other players we've got who are older or younger. Um, everyone's in, I deal with every player individually, and mm. that's part of the fun, I think, of doing what I do, um, it is rec- recruiting players, developing players, working out what they need individually, mm. and helping them develop and continue to enjoy their football. And is there an element of trying
0: to look at what they can do rather than what they can't do as well Um, as you're looking at players individually um i can think of tiny players uh with late birthdays that i coach now and have coached in the past and they've got wonderful close control amazing dribbling skills very quick um, but they're very easily knocked off the ball for example just to give like um just one example off the off the top of your net now if you look at any coach and their motivation to coach, I think there's always a spectrum somewhere between we at all costs and not interested in winning at all and just wanting to develop players. So if you look at the top level of grassroots football and there's always exceptions that prove the rule, you see an awful lot of the bigger, faster, stronger players. And I haven't done a card check, but, um, I would imagine that quite a lot of those boys are, you know, earlier birthdays, uh, and that much more developed. So, um, how if you're trying to be sort of fair to all players and develop all players as a coach what advice would you would you give to try and make sure that everyone gets a, the 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 same chance to develop.
1: Well it's a very interesting point to say that you look at the top divisions of um, grassroots football and I think the research that was done in 2013 also highlighted that those top divisions are full of um, early birthdays, full of September to December birthdays, because the same process is um, happening at the top level of grassroots game as well. Mm. I mean, do you think that's
0: linked to the coach's motivation, or the club's motivation, or the parent's motivation, or maybe
1: even the player's motivation in some cases? I think it's, a big part of it is the coach's um, standpoint on winning versus development. He's obviously under pressure from the parents as well. from my point of view, I love players who want to win. If they've got that determination and that character to go out there and win a game and, um, and bounce back if something goes wrong, that winning mentality, that's brilliant. My belief is that as soon as a coach focuses at all on winning, and I'm meaning a youth coach, at all, it will impact negatively on the development of the players. Of course. Will that weaker player, who should get a bit of game time at the end of, end of the game, come on if it's one if the if the team are winning one meal and trying to hold hold that result. Mm. Will positions be rotated, which is a great way of developing players. Will that player who has been practicing that skill all week be encouraged to do it in that big game on a Sunday morning? Mm. I would say that all those things should be happening regardless of result. But I would say equally when you're standing there on the touchline and it's a big game and maybe three points would take you up to the next division and you've got the parents standing behind you and the the players are putting everything in, it's difficult to do that. It's difficult to stick to that ideal. But personally, I tried to do it as much as possible.
0: Okay. So so going back to the... um, to the let's say the uh, using an example let's say we have an under sevens player who's bigger than everyone else he's faster and stronger than everyone else he scores all the goals he takes all the free kicks he takes all the penalties top scorer dad's on the sideline keeping scores he's doing ever so well if you're a coach of a player like that um, at sort of under sevens under eights what can you do in the technical corner and the psychological corner potentially to try and make sure that that player doesn't end up falling behind when everyone catches him up because I think that Quite often in grassroots football, the under sevens under rates are typically coached by a parent that's given the whistle and maybe doesn't have any experience at this stage yet because someone's got everyone's got to start somewhere, and so it might be too late to realise that you've neglected the technical corner, you know by the time that it becomes apparent that that was a problem. So so what advice would you give to coaches that might have one of those players that sort of physically and um, from a pace and a strength and, a, and, a, and a, you know, a speed point of view stands out at the moment, what advice would you give to make sure that they're being developed in the, in the technical corner as well?
1: Well, my advice would be a little bit, as I mentioned earlier on, you treat everyone as an individual, you look at their strengths, you look at their weaknesses, um, and if you were doing that properly, you would be able to highlight the areas in which they can improve. Okay. Um, and I would just keep working with them that on that, keep talking to them, and make sure those areas are, are continually looked at. It's sometimes really hard though, isn't it? Because um, I, 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 there's a
0: saying that you either win or you learn, um, and, I, and I, I've just had a season where we learned a lot, um, so I can definitely relate to that. But I think sometimes if you're winning, and everything looks alright because of the scoreline. You don't necessarily notice deficiencies in technique. If if it's a I can just kick it past you and get past you and you're getting away with that and you're getting results from that. How can a coach make sure that they're really observing that are they doing that through technical skill or is it just brute force at this stage?
1: Well, are they making sure that all the activities they have in training are testing the different elements of that player's ability? Are they using both feet mm. uh, are they being asked to um, take on one v ones from an offensive point of view from a defeat defensive point of view mm-hmm. uh, are they being t- challenged tactically to come up with ideas uh, I would just make sure that the curriculum or the program that that coach is following is as comprehensive as possible so you're covering all the bases and if you do come up Against a topic where that player is struggling, then you'll have covered it, and they'll have a chance to develop.
0: Yeah. Okay. So again, it goes back to that: look at every player as an individual, um, and you know, really sort of observing what they can and can't do, and how can you help them on that journey, rather than you know them potentially getting away with it. As, you, as we already mentioned, that some of the top top leagues in grassroots football tend to be full of bigger, faster, stronger. What if you've got a whole team of bigger, faster, stronger playing against? other teams of bigger, faster, stronger, you it's gonna be very difficult to know what benchmark you should be setting for that age group. Because they're all of a of a, in the physical corner. They're all that much more developed.
1: Yeah, that is a challenge. I mean, I fortunately because of the variety of coaching we do in the different environments. I mean, a lot of it isn't team based, isn't match based. So actually, you are just working with them as individuals. So it's quite easy to do. And we take a lot of that. A lot of those players have, for instance, in our Sunday teams, a lot of those players have trained with us since they were. Um, Under eight or under nine. We know them really well, and it's only now that they're playing in teams for us Mm. Um, And that understanding of where they've been where they've come from how they've developed what can still be done to help their Development is really important. Okay, so Richard okay So
0: I think there's little doubt that the relative age effect can have um, a negative impact on players especially at the younger age groups where one player could have potentially have played twenty percent more football than their, their, you know, their teammates, just based on the fact that they're older. Um, so, if you're in charge of the FA, um, what would you do to uh, combat the relative age effect in the uh, in in England?
1: Okay. Well, I think the first thing I would actually do would be education. I mean, I've done a number of talent ID courses um, and I've sat in rooms with scouts who had no idea that the relative age effects even existed. Um, and that was fantastic for, for me to see these scouts being educated and to learn more myself. So on that, so w- at what point would they ask the birthday um, and what information would that give them? I think scouts ask for birthday straight away, actually, because they use that to check. Um, their databases, but I'm not sure they asked that because they're actually interested in what it means in terms of a player's development.
0: Okay. Um,
1: but I think the scouts who have done those courses, talent ID one, talent ID two, I'm about to do myself talent ID three this year. Mm. I think the, the scouts who are doing that and the recruitment manager doing that um, are now starting to think about that and hopefully that's trickling down to the scouts who are out there watching games. Okay. It's obviously not trickling down enough, but. Mm. Tricking down a little So bit. the
0: 45% of academy players that had the, I think it was September to December birthdays, as you said, um, that's just purely based on the fact that scouts, or more or less, on, on the fact that scouts have seen bigger, faster, stronger players, and so they've stood out more, which is why they've been selected, not necessarily because they have an earlier birthday.
1: Well, the, the, scout is, the scout is a very important stage, because if a player isn't scouted, um, they may not even get to the academy. There are certain professional clubs, Brighton for example, where you will not get into that academy for a trial unless you have been seen by a scout who sent a favourable report. So, scouts are certainly a big area that I think could be improved. Also, if you look at another example of what they do elsewhere, in Spain they work in two-year cycles. So, um, you've got the under 13s and 14s together. Um, those under 13 spend the first year being the youngest and then when they move up to under 14 they spend spend that second year being the oldest that's another way of looking at it
0: okay so there's almost a an enhanced problem as an under 13 if you're a young under 13 but then a bit of an upside when you become an under 14
1: yes Mm. I don't think there's a perfect solution I think that's perhaps where we're heading with this.
0: Was it um, Nick Levitt that said, um, I think when he was at the FA, he was talking about potentially uh, banding players by three-month uh, windows, so there was never too much of a uh, disparity between ages?
1: I don't, I don't remember that, but I, I was reading only today, actually, that in terms of school, uh, academically at school, there's most years will have two classes in a year. Why can't they be... Six months based, Mm. so you've got your September... Maybe it's
0: six months based, maybe that makes more sense, yeah. Yeah,
1: you've got your September to Marches, and you've got your Marches to August. Okay, Okay, so um,
0: just to to finish off then, so what are the Late Birthday Projects doing um, for uh, children with with, uh, late birthdays, um, is my first question. And my second question is, if you are a parent of a a child with a late birthday, what would your advice be in terms of finding them the right team uh, to develop?
1: Well, what the late birthday project doing? It's firstly selection. We only take players who are born January to August, and we do that we do that strictly. Um, it's not an exact science, but it's the easiest way we found to manage the process. We then create a positive, pressure-free environment for them to develop, them um, to pick up new skills, to gain in confidence. We have a bespoke LBP curriculum that is always relative age effect relevant. We've talked about some of the areas that might include strength, winning, and keeping the ball, shielding the ball. We work on that an awful lot. Uh, Speed, running with the ball. We also have a psychologist who goes from different centre to centre, working with the players, talking to them about uh, concentration, confidence, how they deal with setbacks. And then we have a match programme where we put it all together and we invite teams in or we do inter-centre tournaments and we see if they can put what they've learned in training into practice.
0: So when you invite teams in, are you looking for t- other teams with um, late birthday type scenarios, or could it just be any team?
1: Any team really, because actually that's replicating what they're doing on a Saturday or Sunday morning. They're, they're not playing against teams who are just. Um, late birthdays, they're playing against teams that may have quite a lot of older, bigger, stronger players in. So it's a good chance to see whether they can put the specific things they've learnt with us into practice. Okay. And and for us, success is there are different outcomes we're looking for. Some players do go on to play for Fulham, uh, Brighton, Chelsea, AFC Wimbledon, but for others, it's about getting from their B team into their A team. Others just want to grow in confidence, learn some new skills and enjoy their football more. So is this something that you typically do um, independently
0: to whichever team they're at? So this is almost building their confidence and their skills away from the bigger, faster, stronger lads and then sending them back in there with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more technical ability perhaps? That is exactly it. Right, okay. And success, um, potentially getting into an academy or... I mean, are there other successful metrics perhaps? As you say, you, from the B team to the A team, could it be a, a, a player coming out of their shell and suddenly you, you can see a player suddenly feels happy and comfortable and, and relishing football and you, and you feel that you've sort of had something to do with that?
1: Absolutely. I will always ask a player after I've asked their date of birth, I will always ask them what they want to achieve, what they enjoy about football, what, perhaps what they don't enjoy, have they got any targets? And then will work on achieving those targets and it's very satisfying whatever that is excellent so your so my final question might lead into that if they're
0: in the surrey area Um, but what would you recommend to a parent because we have a lot of parents of grassroots players that follow our uh, coaching youth football Uh, what would you say to them uh, in terms of how they can help their child to to develop if well, the, they live in an area where late birthday project doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. Do? I was going to say the flippant <laughs>
1: answer is uh, give me a call. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of co- good coaching is is important. Finding good coaching independent of their um, independent of their grassroots team is is good. I think. Um, I think something that occurs in their grassroots team is often you find the younger ones, the smaller ones, perhaps aren't getting enough game time. So if i was a parent i'd be quite keen to make sure that my um, son or daughter wasn't missing out on game time just because they were smaller younger less mature if i've if they've tried to address that with a coach and it's, there's no changes then i would suggest perhaps changing team looking for a coach who has a little bit more of an open mind
0: how would you go about finding another team though and no, and and how would you know in advance um, what that coaching philosophy is going to be like, other than just maybe asking other parents.
1: It's not easy, is it? Asking no. other parents, asking the coach. But then, if you are a parent who perhaps doesn't have that greater understanding of football, it's a, it's a, it's tough. Mm. And also, you've got the issue of players, even though they're not playing much, still wanting to stick in a group, potentially with their friends. So, mm. it's a tough one. And um, there's a lot of other things that you can do. There, you couldn't I'd like. Variety. I like the idea of players doing futsal and football. Um, I like the idea of them doing other sports. Mm. Um, I see a lot of players on my travels being taken from development centre to development centre, particularly under seven, under eight. It means every night of the week there's pressure on them to achieve it. They're at Chelsea one week, they're AFC the next week, they're at Fulham the next week. There's a lot of pressure on mm. on these boys. I like the idea of them having a, a couple of days off doing yeah. something different, playing with their friends. is um, quite quite a big one for me. I like at all stages of a player's development or match day, I like to take the pressure off. I like to encourage my parents not to talk about football on, on those car journeys to games and back from games. Um, I think that's some of the parents when they come and watch. If there are parents who will shout out instructions, I quietly say to them, you can't stop why don't you go and have a coffee or something and just let the player let your play let your son or your daughter go down I think if you set in the right way it goes down okay Okay. I usually say I can tell you know a lot about football um, and it can be a bit frustrating watching um, your son not doing what you think they should be doing but I, I don't think it helps if you say anything so maybe step back a bit and usually that goes down
0: okay okay So final question, I know I said I'd finished the final question, but I thought of another one. So if you're a grassroots coach and you have a team of mixed birthdays, some of which have late birthdays, some uh, not so late, Um, and let's say that from a technical and a physical point of view that the the late birthdays are perhaps slightly behind. Um, In the planning process for a session, uh, what key things would you like if you were to give free takeaways for what a coach should be thinking about and when they're planning their sessions? What would that be? What would that look like to make sure that they're, they're Giving the the late birthday or the, the slightly less developed players the best opportunity of getting something out of that session as well?
1: It's not an easy question to answer. I would take you back to my belief in that every you look at every player individually So I would say if you've got if you've got 12 players there Um, for that session, you would have um, objectives for every player, and you would know that player and you'd know what they need. So you would come up with something relevant for the younger players, and it might be something about speed, strength, confidence, bouncing back, but you'd have the same for the older players. It might be something on the the technical side. So I do feel that it's an an individual thing. Okay,
0: excellent. Is there anything that you would like to ask grassroots coaches? So uh, we're going to uh, publish this podcast, of course. Um, It'll be on our Facebook page, via Twitter and on the website. Um, I'd quite like to get some dialogue going with coaches to have a conversation about this. So is there any questions that you would like to put back to them um, that might get that conversation going?
1: I'd be very interested to know average birthdays for some of the grassroots teams in different divisions. For instance, in the Surrey Youth League, you got the Premier League, the Premier, the Championship. I'd be interested to know what average birthdays they have in those teams,
0: and I I'd be interested to know if you kn- if you know that first of all as a coach, and if you do know that what that looks like, because I, I don't know what my average, what the team you know my, the average birthday in my team I have no idea. What? I know that I have some very very late ones. I have some that have finished the under twelve season currently and they're still not 12 and they won't be for a few weeks yet so um, but I don't know what the what the, the split is at all.
1: Well, I think it's a very useful process to write down chronologically the, the dates of births of all your players in your team and it might give you a different insight into mm. them as players just looking at that list of birthdays. I know that my under 13's team They're playing the Surrey Youth League. They're playing in the Premier as under-14s next season and have a mid-May average birthday, which is incredibly late. But obviously that's because a lot of those players have come through the late birthday project. So I'd be very interested to know what the average birthday is of any of you, the coaches you have listening. Fantastic. Richard, thank you
0: so much for your time. Really appreciate you um, being a guest on the very first Coaching Youth Football uh, podcast. We will be... um, having conversations about this we might even start a whatsapp group uh, if there's enough interest to have a a, a deeper dive and obviously we'll, i'll invite you to that uh, to that group should there uh, be sufficient interest so thanks Sounds fantastic 100 percent. thank you very much for your time appreciate you uh, bringing me down to sunny dorking on this lovely monday evening thanks Pleasure. a lot good to see you mate and no jingle to finish either <laughs> so thanks once again to richard king of the late birthday project and dorking wanderers for his time today We want to hear from you, the coaches, about the subjects you would like to hear discussed on this podcast, because this is by coaches for coaches. Please get in touch with any ideas you have of subjects that you would like to hear discussed, and we will do our very best to uh, find the right people to, to have that discussion. You can help enrich our community by liking, sharing, and most of all, adding your experience to the conversations that we hope these podcasts will inspire. This podcast, was made, or this episode I should say, was made possible by the awesome TeamStats who help coaches to simplify the organization of their players and parents. As a coach, you publish dates, times, venues, and subs just once, and TeamStats will automate the chasing of parents for their availability and payments via the Apple website. TeamStats are kindly supporting our community by sponsoring this podcast, so please return the favor go to teamstats.net and download their app, which currently has a free 30-day trial um, with all of the pro features completely free of charge. Thanks for listening, and please do get in touch with your ideas for future episodes.